You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How we doing? It's good to see y'all. We have uh, Next Gen Open, which is exciting. Um, I know it's limited and, and there's some stuff. I'll say that in a minute, but uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for joining us in person, wherever you're at, you're in the living room. This time in the morning, some of y'all probably in your jammies still. Um, so hello. Thank you for not being here in your jammies. You know what we ought to do? We ought to do a service. We'll have to like say, okay, it's got to be like appropriate, right? But we ought to wear our COVID gear to church one weekend. Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, it has to be decent. I mean, some of y'all sit around in your drawers, and so I, we don't need to see that. I, I, I made a joke about that way early on in, in, uh, when we were, everything was online, and I received some pictures of some of you guys in your boxers, so thank you. I can't unsee that, but uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. This series we're in called Honest Conversations. I want to go ahead and tell you, you don't want to miss next week, uh, whether you're going to be here or, or tune in. Uh, but next week, we're extending this series because uh, we have a very special conversation that we're going to have. This, this has been a difficult series. Um, anytime you have honest conversations, right, it can get difficult. And uh, I was able to sit down with a very good friend of mine and pastor, and uh, we did a video, and we, we had just an honest, open conversation about the racial tension and things that are going on in our culture and uh, where the church needs to lead out in that. And so you don't want to miss that next week. I'm excited about that. But uh, uh, a couple of things I do want to give you some updates on is, uh, is Next Gen Ministries and Finances, because I'm getting a lot of questions about those. And it's, I figured it'd be easier to address it like this instead of just, you know, 800 emails. Uh, but at NextGen, is, it, we, we did open it, and um, uh, we are asking you to register. And the reason being is it, it's, it's so we can help plan. Um, we're working on the methods. When we reopened, everything was about the method, the manpower, and the material. And we're, we're adjusting methods, so be patient with us. Um, thank you for your patience this morning and for your grace this morning. And uh, we, we asked to register for this because it helps us set the manpower thing. Uh, it, it would be like you hosting a dinner at your house and not knowing how many people to cook for. And, and you don't want to get into a situation where, hey, table's full, you know, shut the door in people's faces. We don't, that's not what we're about. Um, but we only have so many places at the table, and we want to make sure we plan and prepare for that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Um, financial update. Uh, remember back in January when we did a series called Focus? And it was about, here we go, man, this year. Uh, and I went back, so I was hiking in Colorado, and I was actually having a great conversation with God about that time in January. And, and God was just kind of speaking to me very clearly, um, and he said, you know, I told you to be clear. I didn't tell you you're going to have certainty. And that's one of the things God gave us in January was clarity. And you can have clarity even in the midst of uncertainty. I mean, there's a lot of uncertain things going on around, but we can be clear about who Jesus is, and we can be clear about what he wants us to do, and we can be clear about what we're supposed to do in our communities. And he just brought me back to that. And when we, we announced that, so we went through that series, and we, we launched into some vision, and um, uh, we said this year was going to be one of the biggest budget stretches we've ever had as a faith step, and, and then COVID hit, <laughs> and it was awesome. But uh, we started the year strong, and, and we've, we've had a slight drop uh, mostly in the summer, and, and I don't know what it is about church. I talk to other pastors, and, and church giving kind of fluctuates in the summer anyway, uh, but we, we saw a little bit of a decrease in the summer, some of that due to COVID, some of that due to just, just, you know, just people just not engaging as much in the summer as they do during the school year, uh, but, but 
The sky's not falling at the creek. Just want to hear me on this. We're financially strong. We've adjusted budgets and plans and made, made some according plans uh, to be able to continue to do what God's called us to do. And this year, God called us to expand territory, and, and that's been happening. Uh, many of you are watching in other countries and other states, and we're grateful. Thank you for joining in with us. That's part of that expansion. God has just has said in, in, this, in this time where families are quarantining and, and, and things feel like they're getting smaller, the church ha- has been pushed out into all these other opportunities, and, and God has given us the resources and the ability. We've spent a lot of money increasing our online presence. Uh, and so we, we're, we're, we're doing strong financially. Um, we have seen a little bit of a dip in giving, but that's not anything to, for us to go panicking about. I'm not going to stand up here and cry and pass a plate and offer you a gold coin if you give at a certain level. Uh, that's just not the way we do things. If you're in this room, we have two black boxes on the back. Um, they're called our giving stations. We believe our tithes and offerings is, uh, is, first of all, an act of worship. And something that's done in secret. And so you can, if you, if you still write checks, I still write checks, y'all. I'm of that age. But um, you, can, you can put that in. You can put uh, your giving into the, those giving stations. And, and for about, what, 75, 80% of our church, uh, you do it online. So thank you for that. Uh, but that's still, however you give, um, it's an act of worship to be done in secret. So thank you for that. Thank you for, for, for being a, a obedient with that. Thank you for trusting us with what you're giving to God. We, we take it very seriously. We want to be a good manager or steward over every penny that comes in. So that translates to life change. And thank you for giving us grace to navigate the decisions we've had to navigate this year. So I, I appreciate that from you. Um, all right, Psalm 145. Here we go. Uh, if you got your Bible, go there. If not, you can follow on the screens. Uh, Psalm 145 is written by David. Uh, David is a, uh, is a man that's tagged as a, a man after God's own heart. He's king of Israel. Uh, just incredible. You've probably heard a lot of stories about David. David and Goliath. Uh, David and Bathsheba. David and somebody. And David and God. And, um, but David wrote this psalm. And the theme of this psalm is, is there's, a t- he's, there's a time coming when, when everyone, all creation, all people will, will gather together and, and they'll, they'll recognize and worship God for who he is. And, and as, I was, as I was preparing for this, it's kind of that aha moment that there will be some point where everyone, everyone and everything in creation has that aha moment that God is God, he is fully in control, he's overall, he, he's creator of everything, and everything is going to, to just say, you are the only object of our worship. You are the only one worthy of praise. And David is saying that, that this psalm is a psalm of praise about that time, how we respond in that moment. And I'll say this, if you are a Christ follower, if you've placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, then you've already had that aha moment. That aha moment is that, Jesus, you are the one. Jesus, you are the, the, the one that, that really is, the, is, is my focus. And as I was preparing this and reading through the psalm, verse 9 really stood out. And it says this, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And God stopped me there. Because I think that's a a truth we've got to get back to. There's a lot of things drifting in our culture, and we, you know, we all do it. We get we get caught up in news cycles, and we kind of move, and we ebb, we flow. But we need these anchors to come back to. And this anchor is this: God, God very clearly showed me this that the anchor we've got to get back to is that God is the God of everything, and He is over all. He's over all of it. 
There is, there is nothing created that he is not over. He, he is over COVID. He's over politics. He's over, he's over every sickness. He's over every, every relationship. He is over every economy. God is God, and he is over everything. And it's t- we've got to get back to that anchor. He is not just a source. He is the source. And when we look at Jesus, what I love about Jesus is, is in every argument that we see going on in our society, and you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see Jesus engaging with people who were divisive and who had their personal agendas and had everything going on. And what I love about Jesus is he never took a side, he took over. Because that's what the God of the universe does. He doesn't get into the petty arguments. He says, he says I, I'm Messiah, I'm King, I, I'm, the, I'm the one you've been waiting for. In John chapter 4, he gets into a conversation with the woman at the well. And he gets into a conversation because Jesus takes his disciples through Samaria, which there's a lot of tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. But Jesus goes right into the heart of it. He's sitting, he's having a conversation with this woman, and, and he's, he's telling her that who he is. And he says, a time is coming, and that time is now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. What does that mean? That when we have that aha moment, that God, you are over everything, you are the one, you are the one that I've submitted my life to, then I worship you with my entire being, all of my spirit, all of my emotions, all of my feelings, and truth. We've got to have truth engaged in our worship. It's not just we go off on some emotional tangent with God, but it's also not we just sit and become intellectually uh, uh, deep with God. It's a combination of both. It's spirit and truth. We feel it. We got to feel what we know. We got to know what we feel. And Jesus is teaching her this. And he says, that time, that time is now. That, it's now. And she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And, and just the inner monologue that Jesus had to have been having with himself He's like, you have no idea. Because I think of who Jesus is, that when we think of the one overall, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. I love Colossians 1. It talks about Jesus and his supremacy. He's preeminent in all things. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's the firstborn from among the dead. Why? Because of his resurrection, we have resurrection. All things were created by him, through him, and for him. Nothing that is created was not created through him. And he is first in all things. He's the head of the church. What what that passage really locks in for us is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and he is over everything. We think, well, if I just had something to focus on, we do. His name is Jesus. And we sang about the, the story, so beautiful. We worship to the gospel this morning. That he was born of a virgin. He gave his life on Calvary. He paid for our sin. He was laid in a tomb, and he was resurrected on the third day. And that resurrection is what gives us life. His freedom gives us freedom. His breaking the bonds, that's the object of our affection. He is the object of our worship, and he is over everything. Now, with that mindset, with that perspective, I want to read this psalm of praise to you. He starts out, I will extol you, O God, my King, And bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. 
One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I'm going to think about you, God. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all of his works and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. Your open hand, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Then let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. David is really locking us in on the, the only one that our affections and our attentions and, and all of our life should be, should be, should be funneled to. And it, it, the image of the invisible God is Jesus. You have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Spirit. There are three yet one. It's distinct. And that is God. And that is who we worship. That is who we submit to. And, and David is just pouring out about who God is. David was getting honest about his praise. And we think, well, yeah, it's easy to say things like that when times are good. David was constantly in turmoil. His own children would, would try to take his life at times. There were things he brought on himself and things that others just brought to him. But it, it, David, it, it's not that David just enjoyed the soft, cush life all the time. And he's honest with his praise. And for us to get honest with praise and to really recognize who is over all, who is over everything in our life, I, I just feel like there's some, some questions we need to kind of work through. And you need to do some reflection as I'm teaching and kind of see where you fit in here. But the, the, first, the first question I want to look at is, is in verse 21. He says, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. David is saying, when I open my mouth, I want it to be your praises. And I want to ask you this. What are you speaking into your situation right now? We're all collectively in a situation together, yes. But you're also dealing with individual things in your life. There's things in your marriage, things in your family, things at work. Maybe things not at work. Maybe things aren't working and you want to work. You've got something going on in your life. And I want to ask you, what are you speaking over your situation right now? Because your words matter. In James chapter 3, he's given us a warning about the tongue. He says this tongue, it's what we use to form the words and yet this little thing can cause such a great fire. One spark, giant forest fire. 
One little word can spark an incredible issue. You ever have that happen? You say one thing and it just explodes. It's like you, you feel that word go out and maybe you meant it intentionally, maybe you didn't. But either way, it's out there. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, when I teach, the reason we have this much space between here and the first row is I spit when I talk. And, and I only do it when I'm preaching because I get excited, I guess. I don't know. I just can't, can't deal with it. But, but I spit when I talk. And sometimes it amazes me because it, it's, it, I'll, I'll say something and I'll see it. And, and I'll, <laughs> I'll see it just take this nice arc. And I'm like, that's just beautiful. It's like a falling star. And I was like, please don't hit anybody. Because it feels like acid when it hits you. Like if you're talking to me and you spit and I feel it, I feel it just burning. It's like, it's like, it's like somebody just put acid on my face. And I'm like, yeah. That's why I like the mass right now, y'all, because y'all not spitting on me. And I'm not spitting on you. Like it. But uh, words are like that too. You say something, you see it. It's like, oh, oh. And you're like, I can't take that back. And James goes on to talk about this power that we have of the tongue. He said, it's like, it's like a well. It's, how, how is it that with the same mouth, we can bless our Father, we can have this moment of praise, and God, you're awesome, and I, I worship you, and I, I, I lift up, and I magnify your mighty deeds, and you and you alone, God, are the object of my affection and my worship. And then he says in verse 9 and 10, but then with that same mouth, mouth we curse people who are created in the image of God. What God's saying is what you speak against another person, I take it personally because that's my image. And you're speaking out, you're cursing my image. And he says, brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. It's a rebuke. He's like, you've got to watch what you say. I mean, even Jesus, when he's interacting with the Pharisees, would, would, he, he could be strong in his words. And I love that about Jesus. He would be, he, Jesus was not weak. He was very firm and strong in his words, but he was also careful with his words. In Matthew chapter 12, he, he, he tells them that, that you're going to answer for your words. I, I'm a, I don't know if you have Disney Plus. I'm not advocating plus or minus, whatever. You may think that's a devil. I don't know. I'm not getting into that conversation now. But on Disney Plus, they released Hamilton. And, and, and I watched Hamilton. I have two daughters who were theater kids growing up. And so with your kids, you love what your kids love. And so we watched Hamilton. And there's a line in there right before the duel. If you've never seen it, don't worry about it. But there's a duel that's getting ready to happen. And they're arguing about the, the duel. And somebody says to Aaron Burr, the man's got to answer for his words, Burr. There w- we will answer for our words. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 36. He says, you're going to answer for your words. You're going to give an account for your words. What you speak, you will have to answer for. Even if it's a careless word, you've got to have an answer for it. And and two verses before that, he's teaching the Pharisees, and he said, oh, you brood of vipers. That was his term of endearment to the the Pharisaical regime called the, the religious institution. But he says, how can you speak good when you're evil? It's the whole thing, out of the mouth. But he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to this. What we say is connected to our heart. What's in your heart about the situation you're facing right now? 
if you're speaking fear over your situation, it could be that you've just identified and God is showing you an area of bondage in your life that fear is crippling you and you're speaking fear. If you're speaking anger, if you're speaking hate, look, your heart is a well and what's in the well comes up, especially when we're squeezed. And Jesus is saying, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what, what is your heart about the situation you're facing? Do you stand on truth? Because Jesus said, a time is coming. It's now here when the worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We feel it. We know the truth. Do you understand the truth in your heart that, that the, the, the God of the universe loves you and that Jesus came to set you free? And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So are you speaking freedom? Or are you speaking bondage over your situation? Are you speaking fear? Or are you speaking faith? What you say over your situation matters. And David is saying, my mouth will speak your praises. He's saying, watch what you say over everything. What are you speaking over your family? What are you speaking over your community? What are you speaking? As I was having a conversation with God, I was talking out loud on the trails in Colorado, mainly because I read a stat before I left that 63% of bear attacks happen when you hike by yourself. <laughs> so I was having a loud conversation with God. Lord, you're great. I'm so grateful. People would walk by me on the trail like, that dude is crazy. I may be crazy, but I'm not getting attacked by a bear. But then I was like, God, if I do see a bear, I'd make it quick. You know, let me come home quick, you know. But I started asking God, what do you want me to speak over my marriage? What do you want me to speak over my family? What do you want me to speak over my church? What do you want me to speak over the community? You've called me to minister the gospel in. What do you want me to speak over my nation? It matters. And God says, you always speak life. You always speak love. You always speak reconciliation. You always speak the gospel. What are you speaking in your situation? Because people are watching what you say. Because our our, our words tend to line up with eventually how we act. And in in verse 4, it says, One generation shall shall commend your works to another. In in the New Living Translation, it it says one generation is going to tell the next generation what's going on. It's going to tell the next generation of your mighty acts and and let them proclaim your power. And and I want to ask you this. what, What are you doing now? What are we doing now for generations to know and see the majesty, the glory, and the wonder of God. What are we doing now for the next generation to come up and know that God is powerful, to know that God is mighty, to know that, that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? What are we showing the next generation about God's power in this time? And we always like to pick on the next generation. You know, we look at the generation coming up after us and go, they're, they're punks. They don't have it together. How are they going to figure it out? You know how they figure it out? You and I teach them. They watch what we say and they watch what we do. And if our heart is a well that we speak from, let me, let me, let me just get to the real root of the question. What wells are you digging 
If you go back to John chapter 4, when Jesus goes through Samaria, see, Jesus goes right at it. If there's division, Jesus is going to go right at it, not to take a side, but to take over. He goes into Samaria. There's, there's incredible division. He sits down at a well. This well goes back to the Old Testament. This well is called Jacob's well. If you're unfamiliar with Jacob, um, back in the Old Testament, you have this man named Abraham. God gives him a promise. Through you, I'll make a great nation, and all the families of the earth will be blessed because of what I do in you. All the descendants, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars, the sky, the sand on the seashore. And that promise started with one child. His name was Isaac. And Isaac then had kids. And you have Abraham, Isaac, and you have Jacob. And Jacob ends up with some land, and on this land, he has a well. And for generation after generation after generation after generation, after generation, people were coming to this well and drawing water, and they still left thirsty. And as Jesus was sitting at that well with that woman, he asked her for a drink. And she said, I can't believe you're asking me for a drink. And he said, ma'am, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would be asking me. You, you drink from Jacob's well. You drink from the same thing generations have drank from, and you're still thirsty. If you, if you drank the water I give you, you would never thirst again because I give you water that truly satisfies. I give you water that comes from a well of a living source, and streams of living water flow through me, flow through you, and it satisfies. Listen, if we're going back to the same wells and creating the same actions, and generation after generation after generation doesn't see the goodness and the greatness of God and the transforming nature of the power of the Holy Spirit, I got a question. Why aren't we digging another well? Why don't we start letting the Holy Spirit let us go to the well that then satisfies? What are we doing now to show our kids that in all the chaos going on in our communities and our culture and our country and our world, that God is still on the throne, he's still over all of it, and he's still powerful, and he's still mighty, and the glory of God will prevail. He's already received the glory from every ounce of suffering we go through. He is mighty and he's powerful. What are we doing to show them and act on their behalf? And David is saying, look, if we're going to recognize that God is over all, we've got to teach the children that God is over all by what we say and what we do. And they're, 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 for those of you that are raising kids, the wells you're digging now, is what they will drink from in the future. Are you digging the right well? For the church in our culture, we've got to dig wells that, that bring life and unity and hope. I love that Jesus, this happened in Samaria because of the division. Jesus says, we're gonna, we're gonna, the well has continued to bring division, so let's go to a new well. Let's get a different source. I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, Jesus went to Samaria to deal with division, and there's some area in your life that you need to let God's power work in you. Jesus didn't go around it. He went right into it. Because ultimately, Jesus knew it's not about just what happens at this well. There's a bigger picture at play. In verse 9, it says, of this psalm says, uh, I'm sorry, verse um, uh, 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Jesus knew 
that all the little situations that he was dealing with in his ministry on earth was ultimately the agenda of the kingdom. And, and, and the question that we've got to come to, if we're going to recognize God as overall, and that's going to influence our worship, and that's going to influence our praise, and that's going to influence our focus, it's going to influence what we say, it's going to influence what we do, the question is, whose kingdom are you serving? Or maybe let me, let me say it this way, whose agenda are you serving? Because there is a kingdom agenda, and Jesus was all about it. And Jesus says, I've come to bring the kingdom here. I've come to make the kingdom of God tangible. And when we gather, whether, whether through distance uh, over the internet or in this room, when we gather, it's a tangible expression of the kingdom of God. That as we worship, and it's not just some future event, it's not just a Revelation 7 when all tribes, all tongues, all nations will gather together and sing the praises of the Lamb. That happens now. A time is coming, and it is now here, Jesus said. That the true worshipers, those who are, who are pursuing the kingdom agenda, and the kingdom agenda is all about reconciliation. It's all, I was asking God, just sum up for me your kingdom agenda, and it's this, that all come to, to repentance and none perish. And we create a lot of things around that, but ultimately God's agenda is that we are saved, we're reconciled, and we're set free. And a lot of times we get wrapped up in our own agendas or we, we find someone else's agenda and make it our own. So you've borrowed an agenda that you can't really buy into. This agenda of the kingdom Jesus bought in for us with his blood. And if we're, if we're not building a kingdom agenda, we're building our own agenda. It's a personal agenda. It's a, it's a me agenda. And there's a problem with the me agenda in today's culture. It was there in Jesus' day, it's there now. It's a product of the brokenness of the world and our flesh, and it is this. A me kingdom, one that makes it all about me, is rooted in pride. And in this verse, we don't like to hear these verses that, that the Lord preserves all who love him, but the, all the wicked he will destroy. God sets himself against pride. I mean, when, we, when we're wrapped up in pride, and, it, and pride's a very dangerous thing because it's not just this overt, look at me, how great I am. But pride is like, this is, I'm not leaning off of this. And we've let Jesus, who is over everything, we pushed him to the side and go, no, no, you're not meeting my agenda, Jesus, so I'm on my own now. And Jesus says, you're right, you are on your own. But not only are you own, on your own, but I now set myself against you. Because you're either for me or against me, Jesus says. And we've got these agendas. And to get back into the kingdom, this, this is the, the one who's overall in everything. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy because of that God, because him being the one who is over all, the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ, the firstborn in all things, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. So if we're going to have an honest conversation about who's over everything in your life, I, I need to give you some time to have that conversation. I can't have it for you. And as you wrestle with these questions, as you wrestle with this, this is the word of God that's working on all of us. 
And I'm just going to give you a moment to pray where you're at in the quietness of your space. Lauren's going to come up and play the piano and make it sound spiritual. And and I'm going to give you time in the presence of God to, to just, maybe you need to repent. Maybe you've never called out for salvation to say, God, you are overall, and I'm asking you to save me. I'm giving you time to have that conversation with God. You, you have that. I'll close us out. I'll close us out in a minute. like this and we we acknowledge the truth that you are over everything. There is nothing in all of creation that you are not over. And I thank you that your mercy is over all of your creation. I'm asking for your mercy to be poured out today. I'm asking for grace to be poured out today. I'm asking for salvation. God, I'm I, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking life today over dead situations. God, I'm speaking hope over despair. I'm speaking faith over fear. I'm speaking peace over panic. God, I'm, I'm speaking reconciliation over division. I'm speaking, speaking your heart. God, would you pour out Would you just release from your streams of living water salvation to those who who need to be saved, God, for those that have have never placed their faith in you and they they say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be over all of my life, over all of me. God, I'm asking you to pour out forgiveness. God, when we get wrapped up in our own agendas, when we get wrapped up in our own thing, when we lose sight of you, God, I'm asking for for true repentance to be poured out and I'm speaking forgiveness over people today as they ask you for it. You are a God who forgives. You said you are faithful and just to forgive when we confess and we confess there's areas that we get prideful. We confess there's areas that that we start, we're not speaking your truth over the situations of our life. We we, we ask for forgiveness when we we act out of the wells that we've we've constantly gone to and we want to go to you, Jesus. We want to go to you who is the stream of living water so that life pours in us and life pours through us. I'm asking you, God, to change our hearts and bring that change from the inside out that shapes us and then shapes the things around us. We love you. We praise you. And my mouth will speak your praises forever and ever. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at